wine, 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 you know? <clears throat> I love it. And so, yeah, these three people, um, we've just asked them specifically because they have made such an impact on my life individually and Sky's life. And um, I've just seen their fruit um, being a part of Calvary Church and being a part of people's lives. And so um, we're just going to jump straight into it tonight. We're going to get into some questions you guys submitted. Uh, does that sound good? Yeah? Yeah? All right. So the first question, if we have it up here on the screen, is this. How can you help a friend who is dealing with loneliness? Carrie, would you uh, care to answer this question as you're somebody that has, as I said, just invested in me so dearly and invested in so many people, um, and it's, you, you truly have this gift of empathy, and we'd love to just hear some thoughts and kind of your take on what you've experienced with this. So I have to behave tonight, right? Yeah. No, 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 no rules. Yeah, you're oh, good. Okay. <laughs> Well, I, you sent me this question, and so I, I thought the first thing I'd do is go to somebody who knows a whole lot more about it than uh, Jesus, and that's uh, Oprah. <laughs> and and uh, so I just uh, I wrote down some notes here, and I, she says that uh, if you're trying to help a friend, I've got actually a psychologist in Oprah, but Oprah says what you ought to do with your friends to help them through it is to make a small gesture uh, a lonely person's pity meter, meter is a finely tuned instrument. And uh, she goes, dinner in a movie is real helpful. Uh, she says, uh, offer to accompany them to a medical appointment. But that is, try not to cancel when you set plans with somebody. Lonely people tend to see social engagements as life buoys in a long week. Uh, she says, you need to check in with people. She said, you need to give them a reality check. I wonder how that goes. Oh. And uh, she says, when you take a friend to a buffet or a party, you don't leave them alone and walk off with your friends. So she has some decent ones, I guess. Her next one is, you have to help them find a place of comfort. And that going to a movie and eating out is uh, hard for them and just being with them. And she talks about learning how to listen. And so that's what Oprah, that's Oprah's toolkit, she calls it. Uh, this psychologist says uh, that the most important thing is to acknowledge their feelings. If they have the courage to admit that they're lonely, um, that the first thing to do is just tackle it. Just talk about it. Don't walk off. Uh, and he goes on to say the same things about going for a walk or dinner. And I know we have four or five minutes. And so one of the things I did before I got here, and I'll just let, just to let you know, the word loneliness never was in the dictionary until after World War II. Never. And in fact, words for it in the Bible don't exist. There's Hebrew and some Greek words, but they don't have anything to do with loneliness. It's more to do with being alone. And it actually shows up 123 times, the word alone. Uh, but what's interesting is the difference between loneliness and alone is control. People think loneliness tackles them from behind. And so, they don't want anything to do with it. When loneliness tackles them, it's like depression and other things. In fact, it can lead to depression. Alone seems to imply choosing, meaning that when you choose to be alone, Jesus chose to go up on the mountain. There's a sense of power and control. Loneliness implies you're weak. So. What do we need to be here for? <laughs> <laughs> Done. I'm feeling that way too. It's over. Done and deal. So, Carrie, would you say that almost when we 
choose to set aside our own control and, and embrace the aspect of being alone, we look more like Jesus? Um, well, I'd say that that sounds good. I think that I think all of us go through times of being lonely. Uh, I mean, if, if we follow our Lord's example, um, him trying to keep the disciples awake while he's praying was a pretty tough time. Um, you know, and I think his pattern it says that he was tested and tempted in every way. And, and I didn't know all you guys are sitting over there. Sorry. <laughs> the other day when I was doing the funeral, everybody sat on this side. So you guys are over here behind the pole. So um, it was amazing, his example. When we looked to him, he was lonely. He chose to be alone. And at the same time, we see in Hebrews, it said he was tested and tempted in every way and sin not. And so when you're alone and you're lonely, or both, it's not a sin. There's no reason to think God's moved to Texas and you're stuck here. He went through it all. And there's something that'll come up when you study an emotion like this, and that is that Satan has three voices. And if you all are Christians, he's going to use them on you, and particularly this time of year. The first one's guilt and shame. The second one's assumption. I assume the guy there in the green shirt doesn't like me because he just stuck his tongue out at me. And that's not really true. It, comparison. Think about that one. Particularly at your age, we compare. We go, gosh, I'm not like so-and-so, and I'm not like this person. I'm not like that person. Those are not God's voices. That's the other guy. And those kinds of voices can trick you into being lonelier than you are. So. I'll put my pastor hat right now on. Obviously, it's on already, but... Um, you should be writing that down. <laughs> Even if you think you don't need it today, you will need it later. Good. Always taking notes. Yeah. All right. We'll go on to the next question, if it's coming up here. And this one is, when is it time to seek a relationship, and when is it time to wait on the Lord? Francesca, I think uh, we asked you to answer this question because when you shared your testimony at Staff Rally had such an impact on Sky and I just through what the Lord's done in your life, what he's brought you through. And so if you feel comfortable, you can share a little bit of that leading to this question. Um, but we'd love to hear your thoughts on this and just what you have to say. Thank you so much. Well, um, as I thought about this question, I think it's a difficult question. And I think it implies that you have a choice, like I'm choosing to enter into a relationship or make myself available, or I'm choosing to have time with myself or not in a relationship. And I don't think we always have a choice. So I just want to be sensitive to that. It's, it'd be nice if it were in our control, but um, sometimes it's not. Um, but whether you're in a relationship or not, Jesus is with you. If you are in a time, in a season in your life where you're not in a relationship, Jesus is with you. You're not alone. If you're in a season where you're in a relationship, Jesus is also with you. So it's never you alone. And it's never just you and the person that you're dating or engaged to or whatever. Jesus is kind of the common relationship among all your relationships. So I kind of wanted to just point that out, that um, you need to involve Jesus, whether you're in a season of aloneness or in a relationship. Um, if you're in a season of waiting, and waiting is really, really tough, um, I guess you know, as someone who is in a different season of life, I just want to share that right now it seems like maybe a huge big deal that you're waiting to be in a relationship, a significant one, but there's so many other things that you also have to wait for 
even when you're in a relationship, even when you're married, even when you have kids, there's other seasons in life that involve waiting. So it would be a great idea to get really good at it. <laughs> um, and here's a couple things I jotted down um, to maybe just spark some ideas for how you can sort of embrace a season of waiting. Um, one thing is, um, I think it's important to not completely resolve, but sort of um, address any major areas of sin when you're not in a relationship. So if you're struggling really with um, an addiction, even pornography, um, even something like you have a hard time telling the truth, I would just maybe not involve someone else in that right now. Amen. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that you need to have all those things sort of buttoned up, buttoned up by the time you enter into a relationship, but gosh, I wouldn't just bring someone in if you're just in the midst of a real struggle with sin. Um, and we all have a sin struggle more than one, um, but if there's like a real significant one, I would just really spend the time with you and the Lord, if you need therapy, whatever, to kind of help get that um, under control, really, before bringing someone else along. Um, sometimes I think there can also be maybe an ideological issue that you might need to deal with before entering into a relationship. So, for example, um, I went to... Um, I went to college at a very exclusive women's college on the East Coast. And this was a time when feminism was like super, super, like raging feminism, the real angry kind. Um, and so I was immersed in that for many, many years. And um, I was telling some friends recently, you know, I spent like eight or 10 years kind of stomping around in my Doc Martens, like being real mad at guys. Um, not a good idea to date or get married if you kind of like hate dudes, um, right? So, I mean, it seems like really silly to talk about, but I mean, I was just in an atmosphere where that bred hatred of men. Um, I don't know if anyone's there right now. There's other things that you might could relate to that, but I would call that kind of an ideological issue that you might need to just kind of get a handle on before entering into a relationship. Um, and then just a couple other quick things is, I just wanna mention that, you know, um, if you're super anxious to have a serious relationship and get married, if you make a mistake in marriage, that's gonna add years to your waiting. So let's say, for example, you're very anxious, um, perhaps you end up in a marriage um, that lasts a few years or more and then fails, then you're gonna be waiting again. And it's gonna be so much harder than if you had maybe maximized your time of waiting when you should have. And I'm speaking from personal experience, you'll just be waiting a whole lot longer and it'll be so much harder too. Um, so in a season of waiting, I would like become more interesting. You know, like your Fortnite skills are not interesting. <laughs> So become more interesting. <laughs> it's really Four true. Four doesn't yeah. count. <laughs> I, yeah. I just have yeah, some, some things as you're talking about dealing with heavy issues in your life mm -hmm. before bringing someone along for the ride. Imagine you have incurred or accrued debt. And if you get married, that debt becomes not only yours, but someone else's, right? Do they want that? <laughs> Probably not. 
And so it's not having your duckies in a row, but getting help. Uh, because there is no single human being that can bear the weight of another single human being. That's, 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 that's yes. raising up a practical savior. Mm -hmm. um, it's not possible. And so to get a variety of people around you and then becoming interesting, mm -hmm. I've heard it said to become the person you're looking for is looking for. Become the person you're looking for is looking for. Everybody's taking notes right now. Somewhere, someone is dreaming of someone who is not going to rely on them for every little thing, who has help, who wants to become Christ-like, mm -hmm. and how about you be that person <laughs> that they're looking for to yeah. be become. One other tiny little note, um, I read that it takes 10 to 14 years to become unselfish in a context of a marriage, okay? This is the major um, evolution that happens in marriage. So I would say start that like now. <laughs> start the process of becoming unselfish because that is the quality that will really make a huge difference when you're in a serious relationship, when you're thinking about getting married. Um, start that now because it takes a long time to become unselfish and it takes a lot of practice. You know, along these lines, uh, when people come to see me in premarital, young ladies will come and have just been through a divorce. How do I find the right one? Same way with young um, my wife cheated on me, find the right one. And I'll tell them, make a list. God is into specific prayer. And so, ladies, the top three or four things. This guy's got to know Jesus. You don't have to drag him to church. Uh, he'll lead you to the altar before he'll lead you to bed. If he's doing something different, he ain't a Christian. And so you get those three, then he can have the eyes of Brad Pitt, and he can have his body, he can anything else you want. But I tell you, the first time I did this, a lady brought me a list of 52 things. And generally it's around 15 or 20. But see, if you have a specific list, it also acts as a filter in the same way with you guys. Have a filter. You've probably all been in relationships before. You know what works and doesn't work. And so if that Jesus thing isn't up front, I mean, if your ideology, when she talks about if Jesus isn't there and you don't agree on that, and again, you need to make people prove it. If they're not walking it, the talk's not going to work. And so have a list. That's good. Matt, you mentioned something. I just love what you said because, Emily Francesco, when you, when you mention that, getting things in order, that working through sin patterns, working through addictions. I thought immediately, like, what does it look like to do that? Then, Matt, you answered that question of it doesn't look like you getting all your duckies in a row or your eggs in one basket or whatever. It looks like getting help. And what are some ways that you have seen other people work through that, getting that help, and maybe things in your own life? I'm going to be careful not to beat a drum too hard here. I'm the only one up here unmarried. To synonymize relationships of any significance with marriage or in the context of dating, you can lose the gift that God gave mankind to have a variety of people in your life. So just as you have a diet that requires zinc, potassium, iron, uh, you and I are built to have a variety of people in our life. And so uh, I'm going to just start that way so that you don't um, sabotage yourself by synonymizing the word relationship and in the context of, of that. So um, with that 
being the filter, uh, get people on your team. Confess your sin to one another. There's healing in that. Ask for help. Get people who are older or further along the, the road. Like this guy right here with that color hair. He's, he's one of the, my Pauls, my mentors. He has been for a long time. And get people who are going to champion you. And then get people under you that you pour into. And that's, I think, how you become unselfish. Yeah. So get a variety of people in your life. And again, the, the Bible would back that up. It says, while you're single, is the best time to serve. Paul tells us that. And so uh, along the line of Paul, Barnabas, since you brought that up, and Timothy, uh, there's a man from Dallas Theological Seminary that's in heaven now, but he says, we all need a Paul. Someone has this color hair, but you see that their life matches their words. Right. And then you need a Barnabas. Where essentially, say you two guys, you're running on a track. Paul likes sports analogies. So you're running on a track, you're next to each other, and you give each other permission to bust each other's chops. Now, you can't go see that movie. You shouldn't have done that. Did you see the way you talked to her? Anyway, you give each other that kind of permission. And then one day you get a Timothy and you get to pour into him. And so you keep those three things going and you go, okay, so that's some other guy. Is it in the Bible? In Matthew, Jesus tells us, I don't want you to go make converts. I want you to disciple and teach. Every one of you can do that. Every one of you has the capability to teach me. We just have to sit down and talk. Amen. That's the way God set it up. I mean, the perfect church in First John is the babes that just come to the Lord, the young, strong men who've overcome, and the fathers. What a church that would be. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So beautiful. I love it. All right, let's move on to the next question. And it's going to be this. How can we invest and be involved spiritually and relationally when feeling lonely? Matt, uh, I appointed this question to you because you and I have had a lot of conversation, and you're never afraid to call it as it is. You're somebody that um, we've had a lot of tough conversations. That's what I appreciate, respect about you. You're always willing to call people up. You're not necessarily calling people out and picking on them. You're always willing to call people up. I know you've done that many times in my life, and so I just love to hear your input on this. Pastor Kerry referenced Paul, the apostle. Uh, there are two great men in Scripture, Paul and Jesus. Uh, both of them gave their time of singleness. So I know loneliness, Pastor Kerry was saying this even before, it's a tricky word. It's a, it's a, a weird word. And I think the word lonely, because we're limited maybe in our vocabulary or our ability to express how we're feeling, um, loneliness perhaps, if you feel it, is better said that you feel separated socially or relationally from people? Would that be a fair assessment? Uh, in the garden, we had perfect communion with God in, in, in Eden. And sin separated us from God, and it also separated us from people. So that by the time God gives us his top ten, it deals with our inability to love and honor God and our inability to love and honor people. And so sin, there are three roots in Scripture, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. So you can have sin privately or a sin that you commit or maybe even sin that people commit uh, against you. 
They've either crossed the line or they've missed the mark with you. To be separated from people, sin separates. But when Jesus comes on the scene, Jesus, there's, a, there's a, an infinite chasm between people and God. And there's really a chasm between people apart from him. He bridged that. In Christ, you and I have the ability to be called brothers and sisters, where there's no separation anymore in him. The, the gospel has a, a ministry of reconciliation, where we are reconciled to God, we're reconciled to each other, and sin is that little, that, that, that sickness, that cancer, that separates you and I from people, where we use them. We look at pornography. That separates us, literally, neurologically. When we look at a body, a human body, it becomes objectified, where it goes to the other side of the brain, where we're not looking at someone who, relationally, sin is never isolated. It always influences and affects people, our view of them, how we treat them, and so uh, I don't know that I'm giving a straight answer, but I'm kind of painting a bigger picture. It's good. In fact, I don't even remember what the question is. <laughs> Do you want me to repeat it? No, yeah. it's about investing. <laughs> so you and I, Second Peter, we're told that we've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. And then there's a, a participation that we do with God. We add to our faith virtue, knowledge, self-control. But uh, there's... In my life, speaking to what Paul said, there's never a, probably a better time to serve and invest your life than when you're single. Or I like the word, I used it earlier, the term unmarried. Um, when you're unmarried, you can give freely. You can give more of your time and your attention to the things of the Lord. Uh, Paul says when you get into a, a marriage or a covenant, you are concerned about the, your spouse. Um, and that's God's design. But I'm just saying, while, you're, while you are in the place where you are, unmarried, you can be giving your life to the Lord and all of his, his, his purposes. Yeah. Do you guys have anything to... I just really agree with what you just said, Matt, because when you are um, married and then maybe have a family, I, there's definitely been times where I feel regret for what I didn't do for the Lord before. And now I have so many obligations, um, which I'm thankful to have in my life. But boy, looking back, I probably lost about 10 years that I could have served the Lord and served other people. Um, so, yeah. One thing you said, Pastor Kerry, is uh, one of the strategies of Satan is uh, comparison. Uh-huh. It, social media, I'm not on it, and I'm not going to tell you. You don't have to have it. Do whatever you want. You're free in Christ. But, but it is one of the greatest tools for you to compare your behind the scenes to everyone's highlight reel. Yes. Yes. And when you compare people, I always hear young people say, everyone's getting married. There are 8 billion people on this earth. Amen. What you really mean is everyone in your circle of influence 
is whatever it is, right? The three stories you watch. <laughs> when you're serving and you see a bigger picture that there's a whole world out there, yes. you, you are not so concerned about the people around you. Amen. Let them free in Christ if the Lord provided for them, if, they, if he hasn't for you. That's okay. You're, I have been, uh, so I probably have never said this on the stage. I'm, I have been celibate for 30 years, and guess what? I'm still alive. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> you made it. Right? I made it. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Matt, you mentioned Congratulations. <laughs> Just get up and do something with your life is what I'm trying yeah, to do say. Something I love else. that. I love, I love that you mentioned social media because all of the loneliness stats spike in 2011 and 2011 is the broad year that everyone had access to a smartphone and so loneliness spikes when smartphones are in hands and so i think that's something that just always needs to be addressed is comparison on social media and right like you said assess in your own life and do your thing but carrie you were leading into something well i was just looking at the question again and uh, just what you brought up um you know loneliness is an emotion hmm. and so if you're saved when you got saved, the Lord put the fruit of the Spirit inside you. And I know we all love the pretty parts. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. So you have the ability to say no to what your heart's telling you. you. You Again, whether it's through Scripture, and for me, I was thinking today, I was looking through Psalm 139. I don't know when the last time you looked at it, but again, God knows everything about us, and he doesn't back away. He came for us. I mean, he left heaven, and whatever it looks like, became completely vulnerable for each one of us, and we beat the tar out of him. He knows everything, and he's still at your side. He's watched everything you did last week, and he hasn't gone anywhere. Yeah. And it's just, sometimes we just need a mental checkup here, and um, I know Matt's going to say something, but I brought a couple of books, and we'll show them to you in a minute, but there's a lady named June Hunt. She writes counseling books, and she wrote one on loneliness, and it really is pretty straightforward in, in telling you how to um, and she gives you the verses to look at and say, so if you're feeling lonely, again, acknowledge it. I feel this way. But don't let that thing run your life because we do get lonely. But we still have work to do. We've got other things to do. You have school to go to, whatever you guys do. But it can cripple you. And, and again, as any emotion could. So just keep in mind that God gave you the capability to control what this thing dictates. Feelings are real, but they're not true, always. And so you may feel separation, but the knowledge of Christ demolishes strongholds. That's 2 Corinthians 10. We demolish strongholds that set themselves up against the knowledge of Christ. And so because we know we are his, living alone, I'm never really alone. You are never alone. You have to practice his presence. That's one of the dis a spiritual discipline. Practicing his presence. Where you are aware that he is always with you. That he will never forsake you. And even up till death, there's a thin veil. You are never alone. So although you may feel separation, that doesn't mean it's true. And that is certainly a, a strategy of Satan, yes. that a lie believed as true yeah. 
will affect you as though it is true. The lie is that you are alone, and if you believe it, you'll be affected as though you are truly alone. Think for a minute how important that is. I mean, we started to talk out just about loneliness, but essentially it denies the fact that God says you're never alone. And that puts it in a whole different category. You know, this is not something that just ramped up in 2011. The other guy's called the prince of the air. Jesus called him a liar and a destroyer, a liar and a murderer. So why wouldn't he take how you feel, and again, it's not a sin to be lonely, but exacerbate it with Facebook or something like that, but get you to deny the fact that God loves you. See, and now being lonely becomes a garden question. Does God really love you? Did he really say that? He's withholding from you. And so we go from lonely to walking away quickly. I had a quick thing, too, just to add to what Matt was saying, and Matt says this frequently, that we're created to be in community, and Satan just has such such joy when we're separated from community. So I think, you know, feeling lonely, I, I know that you can sort of get into a pattern of even, you know, deeper loneliness because you maybe lose the desire to be in community. Um, you sort of maybe question, um, well, I'm not interesting enough, or I, I don't know. That, that's my thing. So I'm not interesting enough for these people to spend time with me. Um, and that's just a way that the devil wants to isolate you from people. And that is just not what the Lord has for us, yes. you know? And um, being in a significant dating relationship or a marriage certainly doesn't solve loneliness. I mean... I mean, I just think back over, I've been married for 18 years, and I've experienced deep loneliness, and so it's not a solution for that. Yeah. Yeah. First time that God said something isn't good is in Genesis. It's not good for him to be alone. So that tells you how important this is, and how much he means his word. I mean, he wanted to walk with us. He wants to talk with you. He wants to be at your side. He wants to be involved. He wants you to know how concerned he is. And really, this is a question, and I put it at the top of the page so I wouldn't forget it. Is God good? Do you think he's good? Because loneliness will challenge that. So now you kind of have to find out for yourself, is he good? Do I have some sort of track record with him? Do I remember things he's done? And so just for a moment, think, okay, God's voice is, remember what I've done? The other guy's voice is, remember what you did? It's way different. It's mm-hmm. good. So good. I think we've got time for one more question. I'm just going to ask broadly. You guys answer as you feel led. It says this, how can you find friends? And I'd add, how can you find good friends, friends that invest in you, friends that you can invest in, in the midst of loneliness? I think by coming, uh, in, when you come to a church or a group or you're going to college and there are lots of different community groups, a question in selfishness is where can I find belonging? And we ask God, where can I find belonging? And we forget to ask or consider the other side of that. How can I give the gift of belonging? If you and I belong to Christ, he is yours, and you know that, 
You've asked, you've asked and had that answer, had the answer to the question, is God good? If you belong to him, then you give the gift of belonging to someone else and you will find the gospel actualized that he gives freely what he already has. Well, that's a perfect answer. I think mine is the same answer, but it's just not as articulate. I mean, I would, my answer to that is just serve, just start serving, yeah. serving people. Um, yeah, just begin serving and you will find friendship, but also just satisfaction yeah. for how you're spending your time and your energy. Do something, yeah. Yoda. <laughs> what do I do? I don't know. You know, the Bible says for you to have friends, you've got to be friendly, so you'd probably just start there. And so even if you're lonely, you know, will you put your hand out and maybe welcome people to church or smile or take a chance? Call me. I have a gap. Come in and talk to me. Let me know your story. I'm open. I I know a few of you, not many of you. I made fun of Kaylee over there because I hadn't seen her in a while. But um, I think for all of us, uh, we're available. You know, I, I'm not on this stage very often, and, and it's our pleasure uh, to meet with you and answer questions, listen to you, which really, again, listening probably is the best answer for that question up there is, is do the listening. Don't go and do the talking. Go in and ask somebody some questions, and you'll find yourself involved. But with a motive that is not going to use them, right? Oh, I'm just listening to you so I can get a, a friendship from you, right? And then it'll be your turn to listen to me. Yeah, right? <laughs> Rela- any relationship is two ways, yeah. right? So don't just go to get. Yep. Go to give. Yes. Uh, when you're oriented in the way to give yourself... And not so that you can get. It is so freeing. Because you give because Christ has first given to me. And so um, it really has to do with the the nucleus of your heart. The center. I know that's weird. Whatever. (laughs) The center of your heart. It has to be Christ. He He has to do what David said. Create in me a new heart. That word in Hebrew, ex nihilo, is the same word in Genesis, out of nothing. Create in me a new heart. Renew in me a steadfast spirit. And so let him create in you a new heart. So good. I love, Carrie, as you're, as you're speaking, the word that came to my mind was available, being available. And then you said it. So I think that's the best thing we can have to offer is being available, just being ready for Jesus to do something, make something new in our hearts, and be available for others. Um, thank you. Thank you, guys. There's a, a, a man who's on our staff now, and he's in his 60s. And I remember about three or four years ago, he grew up in a town in New Mexico, I think is like 12,000, very small town. And you even call that a city? I don't even know. Uh, and he moved to Albuquerque, started attending Calvary. And I remember him vividly coming early and sitting in the front row. And he would talk to people. And that just struck me. 
It's an older man. I've been around a while. I've never seen him. And he chose to come and give and talk. And he was a photographer, so he started serving Start, without being on a team. Didn't go through life track. It's okay. We didn't have it then. And he started taking pictures, and then he would send the pictures as a gift. Hey, I took them. I just came in and served. That man continued. I remember sitting with him one day and asking, what motivated you to do that? I see thousands of people come, sit, leave without having any meaningful interaction every week. But you, being new, you just dove right in. And he said, I knew that when I came here. I knew that if I just sat in the back, like I'm used to doing, that's my comfort zone, I would never really get involved. No one would never know my name. And I probably wouldn't have any meaningful connections with people. So I knew I had to make the effort to come and sit and talk to people and serve. That man, that man ended up becoming the ministry leader for our photography ministry. He's now on staff on our web team, uh, sending out God's word across the waves. This is only three or four years ago. That man was a great example to just do it. Talk to people, serve, love. And he's become weaved into the tapestry of who we are. That's wonderful. Well, I think that's all we have time for. Um, but I'm just going to pray this out. We're going to have the band come back up. And then we're going to jump back into a time of worship. But can we real fast just give it up for our three guests up here? Um, they didn't have to do this. They, I guess they like me enough to come do this. I don't know. Uh, but We love you. We love, yeah, they love you guys. Um, and me as well. But... Um, they dedicate their time and their energy to coming tonight and just uh, having this conversation. And so uh, if you get a chance to maybe catch them on the way out, uh, just thank them for their time. But I'm going to pray us out. The band's going to come back up. We're going to do some worship. Sound good? Yeah? Lord, thank you so much uh, just for this time, just for the ability to have conversation and to have questions submitted. Lord, I pray for those that submitted questions, that those who may not have any questions that just showed up tonight, not even knowing what this was or what was going on, Lord, that you may just work in their lives, that you may just begin to let this night be like a seed just planted in their hearts, within their lives, that they might have everything answered or have everything resolved, but Lord, that uh, you may just begin to do a work in their lives and help them be open and available to what that work is. And so, Lord, we thank you so much for who you are and what you're doing. Put this all in Jesus' name. All right, y'all. So if we could just stand for a time of worship, um, that'd be amazing. We're going to jump back in. And uh, a phrase came to mind, uh, just closing this out tonight, that, that Mary, Mary Magdalene, uh, I, I, I had a conversation with a friend this week going back to the death of Lazarus. This was, this was Mary's brother. This was somebody Mary was close to. And Mary asked Jesus the question, why weren't you here? And that verse is where we find that iconic line of Jesus weeping. But then Mary begins to speak truth and find reality of, of what it means to live out the gospel in Jesus, in the, in the way of Jesus. And, I, I, and in this conversation with a friend, we realized Mary didn't have a theological degree. She didn't go to seminary, right? The way she found out about how Jesus manifested himself and worked in her life and the life of others is around a table, is, around, is following Jesus with friends, walking through life together with others. And so 
our prayer tonight, our hope tonight is, is through this conversation. This is a small snippet that you can't go out tonight and just simply have all the answers, have it all figured out, and do life on your own. Life's too hard to do alone. So I want to encourage you to step out of your comfort zone. Take these things to heart. If you took notes, take those things to heart. And step out and step in relationship with other people. Ask people about their story. Ask people about what they may be experiencing or going through. Because I believe that Jesus can show up and make himself so real and apparent when we do that. Step out in availability. Amen? All right? Let's worship.